You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good, everybody. It's me, Arjo Ochoa, not Rob Stats Guerrero. Although Stats is here, it is the look ahead presented to you, obviously, by the SB Nation NFL Show. Make sure you subscribe right here to the SB Nation NFL Show. Leave a rating, write a review. Those things will make us sing, although not literally today. The reason I am commandeering our lovely program is because Rob Stats Guerrero, just a teeny bit under the weather, but still soldiering on. Stats, how goes it? Are you alive? Thank you, RJ. I appreciate you keeping the intro the same. I apologize for my voice, which I'm sure is going to be gone by the time we finish this episode. Uh, so just prior to recording, Stats and I were in the lab, you know, working on our show topics for today. We're going to talk about Julio Jones. We're the first people who talk about the NFL for a living that are going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver. Uh, we're going to kind of, you know, go a little bit upward in terms of NFL discussion, literally into the announcing booth. Uh, also, you know, going to dive into, uh, well, the USFL is back. But before we get there, Everybody has to know what Stats just told me Um, (laughs) because we were talking about – I don't know how we started talking about this, but we were talking about when you go to the grocery store. You don't even call it that, right? What do you call it? The supermarket. The supermarket because you live in a 1980s sitcom. And um, if you go to this place to get your food for your household – you get the mechanism that you put all of the food and drinks into that you push around on wheels. I call it the basket. And I tweeted about this, and a lot of people call it a shopping cart. You call it something absolutely ridiculous. Well, I don't call it a basket, which is ridiculous. I call it a carriage because that's what it is. No, <laughs> there's no way that anybody calls it a carriage. Rob is on Twitter at Stats on Fire. Please tell him how on fire it is to call it a carriage. It doesn't have horses leading it, Stats. You call it a basket. A carriage is not pushed. That right there should be enough proof that your name for this is flawed. You, a, a carriage is never pushed. It is always pulled by the horses. Well, just put the horses in back and they can push it. No. Anyway, um, Julio Jones uh, is the talk of the proverbial town stats. On Thursday night, we got yet another update. You know, we all thought it's Friday, June 4th, as you and I are recording. He uh, is not in the vicinity to where he can be on the show, but today is Bear's birthday, so shout out to him. Uh, He is two years old. But uh, on Thursday night, ESPN's Justina Anderson tweeted this stats source tonight on the Julio Jones situation in part. Quote, everyone is giving the Falcons time to think about it. End quote. This from one team preferring to deal a high mid-rounder for the seven-time Pro Bowler with six straight 1,300-yard seasons before 2020 and for Atlanta to take on a good share of Jones's salary. Stats, I mean, look at that. 1,300 yards every year. If you don't count last year, 
you know, if we move the goalposts, we're talking about somebody who had 1,300 yards, a whole lot of seasons in a row. What a bullshit tweet that was. <laughs> like, what? First of all, clearly that's she's carrying the water of the Atlanta Falcons with that tweet, right? Like, what is there to think about? You can't afford him. You can't even sign your draft class. He's demanded a trade. What is there to think about? You, He's demanded a trade months ago. You know what needs to happen. This is not teams giving Atlanta a chance to think about it. These are teams saying, look, here's our offer. Take it or leave it. That's it. Like, and the fa- the flowery stuff she threw in about his production, like, like trying to talk him up, like, give me a break. That is a crock from Josina Anderson. Um, wow. Um, it's interesting that you would call it flowery, given that the Atlanta Falcons training camp is held in Flowery Branch, Georgia. Uh, no big deal. Nice little um, unintended pun on your behalf, Stats. Um, yeah, I I agree. Um, and I also think, like, again, the advertisement for Julio, like, hey, right. se- seven-time pro – nobody is doubting Julio Jones's crew resume. Seven-time pro bowler with six straight 1,300-yard seasons before 2020. Guess what? 2020 counts like it's part of the reason he's available it's I'm again I'm not trying to say Julio Jones is washed uh but he's certainly regressed to the point that stats I don't know that say say you're the Titans right or the Seahawks or the Ravens any or the 49ers I suppose like how much do you really want to do this like this doesn't feel like something that feels like you absolutely have to do this I agree. I think that you can make the argument that there's no wide receiver in the league where you would say we absolutely have to do this. I don't think there's a team in the league that's a Julio Jones away from like, okay, now we're legit Super Bowl contenders, whereas before we weren't. I I think that teams out there say, look, this is what we're willing to give up. This is our price. And we're willing to miss out on this guy more than we are willing to go above and beyond that to make sure the deal gets done. So um, I want to cite a an example from NFL history, uh, specifically because we're going to be talking about the USFL, which is a throwback, not to NFL history necessarily. But still, um, now Jerry Rice is the exception. And I, I've heard you say stats that some people are saying that Jerry Rice is not the greatest wide receiver of all time. Who says this? Who really believes this? But um, I, you sound, Idiot. You seem, I can't believe anybody would think this. Um, I don't know who you think the second greatest wide receiver of all time is. I think it's Terrell Owens. I think you probably agree with that. Yeah, Stats is nodding and his voice hurts, so we're not going to make him agree. Um, <laughs> but some people say that it's Randy Moss, who's certainly in contention uh, for um, you know number whatever you want in that neck of the woods outside of Jerry Rice. But we both agree that it's T.O. Anyway, uh, but when it comes to Randy Moss, and again, it's just one example, but if Julio Jones's career ultimately wound up looking like Randy Moss's, it would be a huge success for him. Stats, do you know how old Randy Moss was when he was traded to the New England Patriots? To the Patriots? Yes. Uh, 28? Wrong. Embarrassing. He was 30 years old when he was traded to the New England Patriots. Uh, that first season, obviously incredible in 2007. Seven yards shy of 1,500 yards in the season. Set the record at the time. Um, you know, new NFL record, 23 receiving touchdowns. Very impressive. I believe that record still stands, uh, although Tom Brady's was beaten by uh, by Peyton Manning and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but either way, uh, so he was 30 years old and still balled out, and he is Randy Moss to that point. So if we look two years beyond that, his age 32 season, which is what Julio Jones is now, that was 2009. Played all 16 games, certainly impressive. Uh, targeted 137 times. That was a really high volume for him. 
83 receptions, 1,264 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns. I don't think it's inconceivable that a team could get that from Julio Jones right now, but the drop-off happened dramatically fast after that. The 2010 season was the year that Randy Moss played for three different teams. Can you name the three different teams that he played for stats? Uh, that would be Patriots, Titans, and uh, Vikings. That's right. Way to go, Stats, who was uh, under the weather, but still just as smart as ever. And in totality, that season, uh, he had 393 receiving yards for all three teams combined. <laughs> still still 16 games, uh, so impressive in that sense. Uh, but that's how quick it is. Like People talk about the drop-off at quarterback. Like One day, you just don't have it anymore, like Peyton Manning, the aforementioned one. Um, and so... I don't think it's impossible that Julio Jones could have this kind of honeymoon period with his new team, but the drop-off is coming, and we know that. And that's why it doesn't make sense to give up a first-round draft pick for him. Like, I would rather have a first-round draft pick than Julio Jones at this point if I'm a wide receiver needy team. Um, and so I think you're setting yourself back if you trade for Julio Jones. It's, it's mortgaging your future for a potential nice moment in the here and now. I think you said it's inconce- It's not inconceivable that he could put up those numbers you mentioned. I think it is inconceivable. Julio Jones doesn't score touchdowns. You know how many seasons he's had with double-digit touchdowns That's in his not entire fair, career? That's a weird, fluky thing when it comes to Julio, though. No, no, it's not. Guys don't score touchdowns by accident, okay? You don't win a church raffle to get into the end zone. You get into the end zone because you're good. <laughs> and Julio only has one season of double-digit touchdowns in his entire career for a guy that everybody tells me how big of a physical freak he is. He's played with Matt Ryan his whole career, which is a really good quarterback, and he can't score double-digit touchdowns more than once? Like, I'm sorry. I'm not – that's not the guy I'm giving up a lot for. You mentioned Jerry Rice. Do you know at his current touchdown pace, do you know how many more years Julio Jones would have to play to catch Jerry Rice? I'm going to guess 18. No, 20 – for a quarter century and i'm sorry that is not a guy i'm giving up a first round pick for especially at 32 that's not a guy i'm giving up a second round pick for maybe a third or a fourth that's it see uh, this this takes me back to a theory i never voiced this theory out loud um so i guess now is the time to do so because when we first had the discussion of like why would the falcons want to trade julio jones the only like one of the driving forces has to be that they think he's washed or like he's on the cusp of being washed like they're they they are not you know completely down and completely willing to trade the version of Julio Jones that lives in our minds, like in NFL lore. I mean, they obviously recognize that a drop off is coming again. I still don't think it's inconceivable that, I mean, maybe if you want to be literal with those numbers, I don't think it's impossible that he could have a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns and just be this ball in wide receiver in the right kind of offense in the right kind of situation. Um, but I mean, that isn't going to be sustainable to the point that you would be willing to give away a first or second round pick. I think you could make an argument that the only positions that you should give up high draft picks for quarterback, elite pass rusher, elite cornerback. Other than that, I don't think you could I think you could make a strong argument that it is literally not worth it at any other position. Who is the team that makes the most sense to mortgage their future, like to 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 pay this credit card off with another credit card, so to speak? To me, there are two. One's in the NFC and one's in the AFC. In the um, NFC... Wait, I want to guess. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, in the NFC, 
it has to be – I think you think it has – I'm playing the playing the man here. I think you think it has to be the Seattle Seahawks because it's an investment in your future potential with Russell Wilson. It maybe makes Russell happy, and if it makes Russell happy, that is what the, the most important thing is, the most important objective. Right church, wrong pew. I actually think it's the Green Bay Packers for the exact same reason, right? Aaron Rodgers, the narrative is they haven't done enough to get him. They have Devontae Adams, who's obviously great. Hell, Robert Tanyan scored 10 touchdowns for them last year. Can you imagine them bringing in Julio Jones and saying, okay, Aaron, here it is. We didn't consult you on this, but we hope you like it. Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Aaron Jones, Robert Tanyan, go win a Super Bowl. Like We've just put the cherry on top of this offense for you. Come back to us. We love you. We've shown we love you. Let's go. See, I think that... I think Aaron still wins there. Like I don't I think that that's that's not a real sustainable thing for the Packers. Like say that Rob and RJ are right and that the drop off is coming for Julio Jones. Say it's as soon as 2022. So if you're Aaron Rodgers, you are still like Aaron Rodgers still has like 5 to 6, maybe even 7 years of a lead or really good quarterback play left in him. Like we know that's possible at the position he plays in today's day and age. So Aaron Rodgers is going to say, "Okay, fine. I'll go play one year while Julio Jones is not washed." You're going to give up whatever draft compensation it involves to acquire him. And then next year, I'll be just as pissed off as I am. Like, I'll turn off my grudge for one year. And then next year, you'll be screwed. Like, I, that's why, like, this is a different discussion. But if you're the Packers, like, you have to just – you have to rip this Band-Aid off now. Like, if you trade for Julio to pair him with Jordan Love. You know what I mean? Like, so that the transition <laughs> isn't as dramatic. But, um, okay, the AFC team for you, um, playing the man here. Um, I think you think it's the Titans. No, incorrect again. I think it's the, the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens, I man. Agree. They need a number one wide receiver. They kept trying to get one in the offseason. They kept coming up short. Sammy Watkins is not what they need. But you bring in Julio, and you have Sammy Watkins there as your two or three. You have Hollywood Brown. You have the tight ends that Baltimore has. Now you really got something there. That looks a hell of a lot better you're trying to get Lamar over the hump when it comes to victories in the playoffs. I think that would be a great move for Baltimore. I agree with you. And I know Kyle Barber um, de- defeated both you and BLG earlier this week on the Oddcast. Uh, it was a great listen. Um, and you forgot Rashad Bateman, by the way. So we want to make sure that we, you know, pay the proper respect to the Baltimore Ravens here on the Espionation NFL Show stats. But I don't like that. I mean, I agree that I've kind of come around on this whole thing. Like, I agree that Baltimore hasn't done enough for Lamar. And unlike you and BLG, I believe in Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson can still play at an MVP caliber, and I'm sad that you guys don't think that. So embarrassing for y'all. But uh, <laughs> if we believe that Julio is on the precipice of, like, some sort of career fall off, I don't want that for Lamar. I mean, I, I want something else for Lamar. And so – if it's if it's a mid round pick like we're talking about here, fine. Like, and and I think especially you you guys talked with Kyle about needing to know you know whether or not you should pay Lamar, which I think is ridiculous. I think you already know that you're going to pay Lamar Jackson. I don't think the lack of a playoff win would push me over the edge in that sense. But if you are somewhat on the fence, go get Julio. Like, design a sample size that is legitimate for you to ultimately yield enough data from so that you feel even more comfortable paying Lamar Jackson in 2022. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> That's fair. First of all, I never, like, criticize Lamar. I'm not down <laughs> on Lamar Jackson. I just, I think it's fair to say 
I'm it's not a hundred percent done deal. I'm giving him that second contract already. Like I to me, I would not do that. I would play it out, I would franchise him, and let's see. Of the quarterbacks who are soon to be at the point where they are, I guess, are already eligible for contract extension. So we're talking Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, technically, I suppose. Um, Josh Allen is the one I am the most confident in, without question. And I don't at all mean that with any negative slide to Lamar Jackson. I just I'm a big Josh Allen fan. I've talked about that before. Um, But Lamar Jackson is I'm way more confident in Lamar Jackson than I am Baker Mayfield. And I know you've expressed some doubt in Baker as well. Um, But. That's like I would pay those dudes if there's any of any of those three that I would, you know, kind of play it out, go the DAC route that BLG talked about where you play it out, tag and whatever. It's Baker Mayfield. I'm very confident in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I think you play it out with all those guys, to be honest with you. Like it's a you dangerous got, game. I can tell you that from the DAC perspective. It, but really, like how it costs the Cowboys a little more. Yeah, sure. But a like, lot more. Think about how it. much like, more. So if the Cowboys had been proactive. And, and paid Dak in 2019, right? They could have gotten him for somewhere in the neck of the woods for like $34 million a year. They wound up getting him for $40 million a year. They could have also conceivably- $6 million more. Over the life of the whole contract, that's a lot of money. And, uh, not and if, they had been, if they had been proactive, they probably could have gotten him to sign a five-year deal. If they had been overly generous with their initial offer instead of stingy, right? Instead of like ultimately settling on a four-year deal. And they likely wouldn't have had to have given him the guarantee that they ultimately did if they were smart and if they were proactive. And we're also forgetting in the DAC deal that he also took $31.4 million from them last season on the tag. Like he ultimately, like I'm happy for DAC that he netted all the cash, but it was a really, really bad play by the Cowboys. But to me, it's worth it to pay that extra money to know what I'm getting. That's if you believe that, that's fair. Because like if Josh Allen's going to play at 2020 levels, for the rest of his career. Awesome. Like, hell yeah. Sign me up for that. I'll pay that guy happily. But if he's going to be closer to the guy we saw before 2020, then I'm not so sure. Right. So like, that's why I say, play it out. Let me see which Josh Allen I'm getting. And yes, agreed that it will cost me more for sure, but I'm okay with that because the, the fastest way to suck is to overpay a quarterback that can't play up to the level of his contract. I totally get your logic, and I'll say this, and I, I know you agree with this in general, is it's a weird bet, though, as an NFL team, right? Like, you know, if, like I'll use the Cowboys as an example because Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson aren't entering contractors or Baker Mayfield, but the bet is we we want you to prove it, right? So if you're, if you're the Cowboys, like, what is really winning, right? If Dak proves it and balls out and goes off and goes crazy, like, Dak didn't even do that. I mean, he did, you know, in the in the short sample size, but he got hurt, obviously. So if he does that, you lose because you have to pay him an absurd amount. If he doesn't do that, you lose. Like, literally, you lose football games. You know, it's like you're betting against yourself, and maybe you're fine with that because ultimately it's just money, and you're an NFL team, and you're the Cowboys in this case, so you have more of it than anybody else. But it's it's a weird thing to bet against your own guy and it's a dangerous thing. That it, it worked out for the Cowboys that Dak Prescott loves being the Cowboys quarterback. But if you're Josh Allen, if you're Lamar Jackson, if you're Baker Mayfield, and these teams don't believe in you, and you go through the process, it's worth fighting for that team control as Dak evidenced, as Kirk Cousins evidenced, because if you get to that point, you can make a whole lot of money. Dak didn't even hit the open market, and he made a whole lot of money. And these other guys are in a position where they might be able to soon enough. 
I don't think you lose as an NFL team because if you if you play it out and the guy balls out, then great, you've got a good quarterback that's you playing just paid, well. But you paid a lot of money. Like that's that's the loss is you paid more than you had to, and you, that's well, what you're saying. You don't view that as a loss, right? Because I am willing to pay for flexibility. To me, that is incredibly valuable to be able to have that. Like the 49ers, for example, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, they paid him a bunch of money, but they have the trap door in that deal. They can get out of that deal, and it's only going to cost them $2.9 million in dead cap money. That I'm willing to pay for that. That flexibility is massive. It's what allows the 49ers to give up all those picks to trade for Trey Lance because they know that he can either cut or trade Jimmy if they want and get some assets back. Flexibility, I don't think you can pay enough for. That's a, that's a fair point. This was an interesting discussion. Uh, we have some other things to hit on, but before we take our break stats, I do want to let you know that a lot of Twitter replies um, believe that it's called a shopping cart. And I don't know if you saw this on Thursday. I saw this all over TikTok. Um, Disneyland unveiled their Avengers campus. Did you see the Spider-Man animatronic robot that was flying around? No. Oh, it's sick. I'll send it to you uh, after we get done recording. But on the subject of Spider-Man, a response I got to the whole uh, basket carriage thing says, uh, this is from Cody Wilder, uh, says, you are living in one of those alternate universes where Gwen Stacy is Spider-Woman, if you're calling it a carriage. Um, so Cody's talking to you, stats. Yeah, no big deal. Well, first of all, shout out to Gwen <laughs> Stacy. Much love. Uh, I just, it's always been a carriage to me when you look in the parking lot and they have that little hut there where you're supposed to bring those things back to the sign above it says carriage return. Nah, it doesn't. You're making that up. Anyway, let's move on. We have other things to get to. We are going to talk about announcers and the USFL coming back right after a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. All is still good, everybody. Rob Statsgrower and RJ Ochoa here with you on a Friday edition of The Look Ahead. We will be on Fridays for the foreseeable future to launch your weekend into the stratosphere of awesomeness. We live inside of that stratosphere. I know you do, Stats. Um, You are a person of 80s pop culture uh, in a lot of senses, uh, in the fact that you call it a carriage, conceivably, um, uh, I guess. But uh, the USFL, the United States Football League is returning stats. I mentioned this on the daily today. Look at me, how hard I'm hustling. I'm all over this Nation <laughs> NFL show today. Uh, it was announced on Thursday that the USFL is coming back in the spring of 2022. Fox Sports will serve as the official broadcast partner, so get ready for that. I don't think Fox has an official streaming platform yet. They don't have like a Paramount or a Peacock, but I would imagine that it is on the way. Uh, the USFL does still hold the rights to the original team name, so the New Jersey Generals are on the table. Uh, your thoughts on the USFL coming back? Because you were kind of crotchety about this in the Slack chat. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> get it. Like, I feel like this is like a Fast and the Furious movie. Like, who asked for more of this? I just like, were, were we really begging for another football league? Like, I just don't, I don't see the, the reason for it. You know, I love steak, RJ. My favorite meal, you give me like a medium rare steak with a giant baked potato with butter and sour cream and some green beans on the side. Like I am down for that. I will eat that any day of the week. But that doesn't mean I want a $2 porterhouse. Like I want more football, but I want more NFL football. I just don't want some crap league that you throw together with a bunch of scrubs. Um, So first of all, 
the fact that you eat sour cream on your baked potatoes is not shocking, but it is a symptom of a sociopath. So I guess that's that's what you are. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I get your stance, but and let me say this: I am incredibly biased here. Uh, I know some of my followers and listeners over at Blog and the Boys know this. Um, when I was still living in San Antonio and doing some stuff with ESPN San Antonio, we were the home of the San Antonio Commanders in the Alliance of American Football League. And so uh, I was part of the pre and post game show. We obviously did a lot of stuff with them as their partners. And it was really cool. Was it the NFL? No, but it was really cool. And it was really exciting. And to be fair, it was also really exciting because it was the first kind of new thing. It came back before the reincarnated version of the XFL, obviously before the reincarnated version of the USFL. Um, and we all did enjoy it, right? Like it was a fun two months before it like, you know, completely fell apart. And so I like it, you know, will it replace like this was the struggle for me. Like does stuff like this replace your we, we all have these like rhythms that we fall into in the off season. So does it replace your normal spring viewing habits? Right. Like does it re- for me, will it ever replace uh, the Valspar championship on the PGA tour? Will it ever <laughs> replace, uh, you know, the players and things like that that have in the spring? No, like I have things that I like in my biological body clock already know and love that happen in the non football season. Um, so it's tough, but I am a fan of this and I'm a fan of this more so than anything in the sense that it offers a breeding ground for future NFL talent. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys current backup quarterback, Garrett Gilbert, was in the Alliance of American Football. He was on the Orlando Apollos. Like, that helped well, thank revitalize. Thank God you got Garrett Gilbert. Well, I mean, look, that that is cool for him that that helped revitalize his career. And he wouldn't have had that opportunity if not for that league existing. So, like, that that, that will happen. You know that. there At some point in time in the future, somebody will be giving their speech in Canton, Ohio, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and shouting out one of these alternative spring leagues and saying, if not for that, they wouldn't have had a chance to get back into the NFL. And that is a cool thing. I don't know if they'll be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think that there are any prospective Hall of Famers that needed to go to a spring football league to get their career well, back on track. But like, this is a this is the example. But like Kurt Warner, right? If not for you know the NFL's you know population, not population, their their presence in Europe. Wouldn't have gotten a chance like to, to really, you know, fortify himself in the NFL like that. Those opportunities are there and can turn into Hall of Fame careers. I don't you're looking at it from the player perspective and you're right. Great for them. If you get another opportunity, good for you. I'm all for people getting opportunities. I'm looking at it from a fan perspective, RJ. And look, I'm a 36 year old guy. I've got two kids. I don't have free time in abundance. <laughs> OK, That's like fair. I just don't. There is only so much sports I can fit into my life. And I'm sorry, I don't have any room for another football league. Like, why am I just going to start caring about this? I don't have the time to invest to sit down and watch it, especially when it's going to be with a bunch of people who basically I don't know. I suppose that's fair from a fan perspective. Um, I will say what this has that the Alliance didn't have, that the XFL did have, and the XFL was seemingly on track to kind of stay planted as a legitimate spring league, obviously before the pandemic hit. Um, but this has the nostalgia factor. That's a powerful thing, right? Like people that watched the XFL or the USFL in the eighties. I mean, like this, this is a, an interesting, it's, it's an interesting caveat. Is anybody saying stats? You have to spend your Saturday afternoon watching this? No. But 
let me paint you a picture stats. It's Saturday morning in March. You wake up early. You take the family to the zoo. Although I don't know what the zoo is the worst place in the world. I don't, don't know why you would take your family. I hate the zoo. That's a whole different uh, topic for another wow. day. Uh, the zoo is such a stupid like idea fundamentally. Like what if what if like why would I go to a place filled with nothing but creatures that I can't communicate with? You know what I mean? Like it's 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 like what if something went wrong? I can't. I can't talk my way out of uh, a situation of peril at the zoo. But again, I digress. So you take your family to the zoo or a theme park Saturday morning. You get your novelty, you know, souvenir cup. You're in the car and they say, Dad, we want some food. You say, okay, let's go to Pluckers. Let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Let's go get some lunch on Saturday. You go, you sit down. Everyone's enjoying it. Man, that was so awesome earlier today. Dad, when you were, you know, acting all funny next to the monkeys and the tigers and everything like that because you're brave and you were around these animals that you can't speak or control (laughs) yourself with. And in the background, there's football happening. That's cool that you can look up and see football games. That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome for the 45 minutes I'm going to be in the restaurant where I will vaguely watch the screen so I can ignore my kid telling me an inane story about 10 minutes ago. Other than that, that's all it's good for, RJ. Well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. That's not all it's good for. That's not fair. There is one good thing about a football league like this starting. Can I tell you what it is? Can you give me a clue? I want to try to guess. Uh... No. <laughs> okay, good. I can't ahead think of a good clue. Okay. This is the breeding ground for all these ideas that the NFL would like to try without actually having to risk trying it. The sky judge, replay review alternatives, the onside kick alternatives, overtime alternatives. NFL owners are the most conservative group of people you've ever met. They do not like to make changes. They're very wary of change. It's scary to them. We can't we can't do the fourth and 15 play instead of the onside kick. It's too scary. It's too radical. Oh, no. What they need is they need to see another football league do it, and they want to see people's reaction to it because then they don't have to take the risk of making those changes themselves. That's where I think a league like the USFL can be good because they can do those things like the Sky Judge. Was it the XFL? Or I can't remember what the hell spring league it was that did that. And you could actually hear the, the Sky Judge in the booth saying, okay, this is what I'm looking at, blah, blah, blah. People loved it. I think that went a long way to some of the changes we saw in the NFL now, allowing the replay official more power up in the booth. That's what these owners need to see. They need to see the fan response to that so then they don't feel like they're taking as big a risk when they want to implement these changes in the NFL. Totally. They need to see proof of concept. I agree with you. It was the Alliance of American Football that had um, kind of the the official processing the review and working through it. That was really cool, obviously. Um, there are things like that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, be grateful. What's the inconvenience to your life, Stats? By the way, everybody, Stats is super down to be in your USFL Fantasy League. So please <laughs> overrun him with requests for this. Um, and it's it's cool. It's more football. It's it's generally a good thing. You know, nobody's saying you have to sit down and, you know, watch it all, but it's going to be happening. So be grateful for that stats. Okay, put a smile on that face. There's only one thing that would get me to make time for this, and it's the thing that any of these leagues need, and it's stars. Like, if you told me that you got Johnny Manziel to play quarterback. Now, obviously, this year is not a good example because he's back in the NFL. But if you had gotten Tim Tebow to come play quarterback, 
Colin Kaepernick. That's somebody that I would stop and make the time for in my day to come out and see. But if it's just a bunch of guys like Dennis Dixon and, you know, just random backup quarterbacks, like that's not going to do it for me. You got to get stars. You got to get big names or you've got to get people like, for example, just take last year's class. Like if Trevor Lawrence said, I'm not going to play in the NFL, I'm going to play in the USFL like they did back in the day with Jim Kelly. Like then, okay, now you've got something. You're giving me a reason to watch. But if it's not that, it's not worth my time. Uh, last thing before we move on, stats. Who was your favorite USFL team in the original version? Because you definitely had one. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was born in '85, so I was already born in the middle of the '80s. I know the Washington Generals, but that the New Jersey the, Generals, whatever the the LA Express. That was the team Steve Young was on, right? That's right. Okay, so I'll go with them. Uh, the Houston Gamblers. A lot of offensive philosophies that were used throughout the 90s came from, you know, coaching principles born with the Houston Gamblers and Jim Kelly and obviously the K-Gun and everything. So um, it could be good for a lot of things. Stats is just uh, he's feeling under the weather. So he's allowed to feel a little bit, you know, grumpy. Uh, finally, Stats, uh, I know that you and I are very excited to talk about this. I know that because we said that we were. Uh, so not like a, a revelatory <laughs> thing. Uh, on Thursday, it was reported by the New York Post, Andrew Marchand, that Amazon is pursuing Al Michaels to man its Thursday night football package. Now, uh, in case anybody is unaware, uh, now three years ago, Stats, NBC hired Mike Tirico. Three years ago. Um, sure. so, something like that. Uh, away from ESPN, away from Monday Night Football, it was very obvious then that Mike Tirico was the future host of the Olympics, which are obviously happening this year, um, and the future uh, play-by-play man for Sunday Night Football uh, with Al Michaels getting near to retirement. It is expected that Al Michaels will retire after this season when the Super Bowl is in Los Angeles, something that he has been angling for for a long time. Um, but within that, the Thursday Night Football Package stats, it's important for our listeners to know. I know you know. Uh, it was announced this offseason back in March that starting in 2023, Thursday Night Football will exclusively be on Amazon Prime. We talked about that when the news came out. And it was announced two months after that back in May that the season that Thursday Night Football will start on Amazon Prime is actually next year in 2022. So it got bumped up a year in the rotation. So starting in 2022, Amazon Prime will have Thursday Night Football exclusively. They need a play-by-play man. They want it to be Al Michaels. Your thoughts? There has not ever been a play-by-play announcer that will get me to watch a game that I am not already interested in watching. So whether it's Al Michaels, whoever they hire, I'm not going to say, oh, now I'll get Amazon Prime to watch these games. Like, I was either going to get it or I wasn't. Most of the time with play-by-play announcers, RJ, it's just don't screw it up, right? Don't take away from the experience and you're fine. Sure. I do think it legitimizes Amazon Prime as an NFL production, right? Because it's hard uh, when like the Nickelodeon broadcast as a weird example was awesome and super cool in a lot of ways. But you're not going to get your average NFL fan to watch it if they don't know the voices or the the rhythms or whatever. Um, So it is a new thing. It's a new product in in that it's exclusively on Amazon prime. It will, there will be new graphics. There will be new commercials, right? So like there has to be some sense of normalcy for your average NFL fan. And I agree with you, but there is a big game feel to Al Michaels. And so 
it's kind of like your point about the USFL. Go and get a star. Not so that I am like definitely going to tune in because you're right. If it's Thursday Night Football, it's the only game on. We're all going to watch no matter what. But so that I don't leave ever for any reason. I feel at home. I feel normal. It's like it's like getting a coffee table for the living room. You have to have it. It's a centerpiece for what's going on. Everyone's going to be around to having the discussion. So I think it's wise. I'm interested to see who they pair him with, certainly. I mean, but Al Michaels is Al Michaels, dude. And he's going to be coming off the Super Bowl. Well, you know who the rumor is. The rumor is Paytonium. Right. That Peyton Manning's preferred partner, if you were ever to go to the booth, is Al Michaels. So if they could swing that, that would certainly be interesting. But they don't need a big name to reel me in, RJ, because like you said, this isn't alternate programming like the Nickelodeon broadcast was. This Mm -hmm. is the only game in town. The 49ers play on Thursday this year. Every team plays on Thursday. Like, I need to get this to watch my team. So I don't need like someone to lend legitimacy to it because they have the actual game. So I have no choice. I don't, if they had nobody announcing it, I would still get it because I still want to see the game. Yeah, but it still has to be legit, right? Like, because if you want a seat at the table, right? Because the main seats are CBS, Fox, and NBC. Like ESPN doesn't, like their Monday Night Football broadcast doesn't have a seat at that like proverbial table because they've struggled, right? Like we still watch Monday Night Football because it's the only game in town and it's the only night that, you know, there's only that one game on or two games on in the past on that particular night. But we all roast it and we all drag it and we all talk about how the announcers can't get out of the way. Like it's I totally get your point. But like you need that that, you know, maestro, because if you don't have him, your product is Monday Night Football and football fans will hate that. And you don't want that if you're Amazon Prime. I don't think that's what makes the an inferior product on Monday Night Football. I think what makes it an inferior product, (laughs) like number one, they have the worst games out of all those networks you mentioned. It's it's a fact like they just do not get as good of games as the other people and cbs and nbc and fox are going to get more ratings because it's not a cable show it's over the air and there are still a bunch of people as stunning as it is in 2021 that do not pay for cable that just get the over the air channels and that's why those those networks and those channels get higher ratings. It's because of that. It's not because people are dissatisfied with the horrible announcers that ESPN has picked for Monday Night Football. I agree with your point overall. I do think it matters. Like it, it matters in the sense that it doesn't matter, but like there is a value to it. Like if to go back to your, oh, I love steak. I want I, for whatever reason, a baked potato with sour cream on it and green green bean stats. What the hell? Like you go asparagus, man. Uh, but I don't want any weird smelling pee. Uh, okay, well that's the new sound drop on the look ahead. But um, <laughs> anyway, th- what what a great announcer is like with that meal is like a strong macaroni and cheese truffle like you know what i mean like that just pairs well with it and elevates it to the next level the meal on its own is certainly delicious no denying that but you do need that thing to really make it memorable because we all have favorite announcers favorite crews favorite graphics favorite whatevers and in the spirit of that stats who are your favorite announcers i have to okay, know. i agree they can elevate it to a next level. And I mentioned earlier that there's not a lot of play-by-play guys who really add anything extra to the broadcast. There is one for me, and he's my favorite play-by-play announcer, especially for football, and that's Gus Johnson. I love Gus Johnson. I know some people don't like it, but he adds it to me. He is the only guy who seems as excited to be watching the game as me. 
And that's what I like. It comes across as genuine to me. It's fun. He's excited. He's interested about it. Like, say what you want about Joe Buck. And I think Joe Buck is a very good announcer. He doesn't even seem like he likes sports. And so that kind of takes away from it a little bit for me. I like Gus. When he said that Chris Johnson has get away from the cop speed, that was unbelievable. Like, I want more of that. I want someone calling the game who's excited about it as me. Gus Johnson is incredible. I don't think, like, there are no announcers I hate. Like, there's never a time where I'm like, oh, man, I have to watch this game with this person, whatever. Um, I do want to talk about Joe Buck, with all respect to Gus Johnson, because Joe Buck gets an enormous amount of hate. And I guess yes. you probably see this, too, um, because he does a lot of 49ers games because of the NFC package that Fox has. But obviously, the Cowboys play in America's Game of the Week often, which is Fox's premier slot with him and Troy Aikman and Aaron Andrews and Christina Pink. Um, and I just I really don't get it. Um, I think I do think that Joe Buck has a lot of emotion. Like I think that you can you can nitpick in, in different moments, but I mean he he that is great. And like one of my favorite, I was at this game, so I didn't watch the broadcast until later. Uh, but now five years ago, Dak and Zeke's rookie year. I know you remember when they went to Pittsburgh and they beat the Steelers, and Zeke had that walk off touchdown. I mean, like there was a whole hell of a lot of emotion in Joe Buck's voice there, and. If we're talking about like just overall talent, and some of this is opportunity, Joe Buck obviously does baseball on Fox, playoffs, World Series. Like that is incredible. And I mean, this is a personal anecdote, but the first Super Bowl I ever covered uh, was Super Bowl 51 in Houston between the Falcons, 23 game, whatever. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, the team that has the Super Bowl in terms of the broadcast team, they have a press conference too because it's the Super Bowl. Like Everybody has a press conference. Yeah. Um, and so like they speak for like an hour or whatever it is. And I, it was my first year ever doing anything like that. And I went and Joe Buck was sitting at a table and people kind of waiting. And I sat there like patiently and sure enough, like, he, you know, like kind of jumped in, took my turn. He gave me five minutes. Like that's a long time. Five whole minutes, Joe Buck, one-on-one talking, you know, asking him at the time, you know, what has it been like to have Dak and Zeke's rookie year games uh, at the time that he had just come off of the Cubs uh, Cleveland World Series that went to seven games and then went to extra innings. Uh, he had also had the U.S. Open that year where Dustin Johnson had the miscue at the end that was so stupid. Um, I mean, and then he would go on to have potentially the greatest Super Bowl of all time when it's all said and done in that it was the first one to ever go to overtime in 22-3. And I mean, the guy was super awesome. So he's like really humble is my point. Again, it's a personal example, but I love Joe Buck. And I just think nobody nobody goes to bat for him enough. He's really cool and he's really awesome. Well, first of all, nice humble brag by you that you got to talk to Joe Buck for five minutes. I agree. He's incredibly talented. He's versatile. Like you said, he does everything. He's an incredibly hard worker. Like if you look back at his schedule, even last year, he's like, calling games, hopping on a plane, calling a different game in a different right. city the next night, and like big games. He doesn't just call like, you know, random games that nobody watches. I I give all credit in the world to Joe Buck, but if you're asking me my favorite guys, he's not in that list. He's, he's totally fine for me. He's 100% fine. He just doesn't mm. add anything to the broadcast like I feel like Gus Johnson does. Who else? Who else is among your favorite then? Uh, if we're going different sports, I love Bob Costas for baseball. Sure. I just think because baseball to me is not about calling the action. It's actually more about what you call in between the action. And I think that's what Costas is good at. He's good at like framing what we're seeing and providing perspective, which is what I really, really like. So for baseball, I go Bob Costas. And for basketball, I'm old school. 
I love me some Marv Albert. Like I always will totally. have the Marv Albert voice in my mind with the NBC round ball rock. Dun, 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 dun. Like that is NBA to me. So I got to go Marv for that. Although there are some good NBA announcers right now. Mike Breen is among the best also. Mike Breen and Mike Breen has the bang thing, which is difficult. Bang. But it's it's difficult because like everybody wants it, right? Like every everybody wants it, and it's so difficult because you can't like overkill with it. And yes. and he 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 just he knows the right moment to do it, which is it, you can be wrong with that, but he he never is. Mike Bre- Marv Albert, well done, Mike. I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to NBA games. Um, we have not mentioned John Madden. I mean, you know, I know we're not talking, you know, now we're getting into the, the world of color analysts here, but John Madden, I mean, I don't know who didn't love John Madden, obviously fun and great and, you know, old timey in a lot of senses. John Madden paved the way for a lot of people. Actually, this is a segue. I don't love Tony Romo the way a lot of people do. Like, and I know that's shocking and I catch a lot of heat, but like, this is something I can never tweet because like Cowboys <laughs> fans always take it out of context. He's awesome and he's great and he does bring a different energy but you know who i'd find to be better than tony romo in the color analyst game chris collinsworth i learn more from chris collinsworth like chris collins and like say what you want about pff and like whatever but i mean he is there is no question in my mind that chris collinsworth has obsessed over the game that he has throughout the entire week he can tell me any piece of data there's no question that romo is more instinctual that he has a greater feel for the game as a quarterback and obviously can process things differently than collinsworth can but collinsworth is is more studious in that sense and i do ultimately learn from him he doesn't have the pizzazz that romo does so people kind of gloss over him I completely agree with you. I want the analyst to teach me something. Teach me something about why something happened, why this is important, why this matters. I think Tony Romo has gotten worse the longer he's done it. Romo is at his best, not when he's making all those weird noises. Jim, I don't know. That's not when he's at his best. He's not at his best when he's predicting plays. I don't care about that. A lot of guys can do that. Romo is at his best when he takes me inside the mind of a quarterback, when it's like a two-minute drill and the clock's running, and he's like, okay, he's going to be looking down the middle of the field, or or he's not going to be looking to this side of the field because there's not enough time to get a playoff and then come all the way down and get another playoff and stop the clock before the field goal. When he takes me inside the mind of a quarterback – why he might be looking one way, why he won't consider this route or this option, that is when he shines. It's not when he's doing all that other goofy stuff. Totally agree with you. A great example, the Chiefs-Browns divisional playoff game last year that went down to the wire. And he got some – he flubbed some of the, like, predictability stuff. But, like, he is telling you, like, this is – the like, give me the why, to your point. Like, this is why. This is why they're clocking it now. This is why they're using the timeout now. This is why they're not huddling, whatever the case may be, because those things are common sense to him, but, like, they're not to us. That's what I want to know. I actually think – I can tell you what Chris Collinsworth's greatest call was, and I can tell you why. Do you know what his greatest call ever has been? No, I'm interested now. It, it was Super Bowl 49, the Malcolm Butler interception. And the the it wasn't even the call as much as it was the analysis and the fallout of it. He was the first person to kill the Seahawks for. He said, I'm sorry, I hate the call. And to right. me, that takes balls. Like in like during the Super Bowl to come out and like this you know, massive one or the other take 
and really kind of lay out on it like that. And that he did that, you know what I mean? And he's not speaking from this, like, I need to give a take perspective. He's speaking from like, you have Marshawn Lynch. Like we've all had the conversation a thousand times, but like that to me is the, the analytical part that I'm looking for is to process what happened and tell me the results and what the results ultimately mean. Chris Collinsworth massively slept on. I am interested to see what he looks like with Mike Tirico. I know he works with him sometimes, but like, it's a different thing every single week. Collinsworth sees stuff on the field in the moment. Maybe he's got somebody helping him out and who cares if he does, but he sees stuff on the field that I'm like, how we've only watched this play one time. How the hell did he notice it? He has a different set of eyes. It was a play in a chargers game. Like I'll never forget this chargers were in a two minute drill because of course they were. That's how every chargers game with Phillip rivers ended for 20 years. And they're driving down the field, and there's a completion. It's a huge first down that the Chargers pick up, like massive. And Collinsworth says, uh-oh, look out. The left tackle was hurt on this play. He's going to struggle. He's not going to be – they don't have time for him to be injured because the clock's running. This is going to be a problem for the Chargers later. And I swear to God, the next play, the poor guy got completely beat off the line, and Rivers got drilled. And I was like, how the hell did Collinsworth see that? And from that point on, like I, my respect for him has reached like another level because he is the eyes that I don't have. And that's what I want. That's fair. Uh, the last one that I will cape for, um, Jim Nance. I mean, Jim Nance is. You're such a golf guy. Yeah. I mean, Jim Nance is the voice of the masters. He's the voice of golf on CBS. And in that sense, like some of these things are unfair for the Jim Nances and Joe Bucks of the world because like by virtue of the positions they hold, they're obviously and always at the big events, but there is a big game, big moment feel to Jim Nance. And like, I like that. I like, I, I like the pot. We've talked about this before, like Super Bowl halftime shows and stuff. Like I like the feel of Epic. And when Jim Nance is there, it's Epic. I love Jim. Like I love a situation where, the Cowboys maybe play Sunday night football, Monday night football, and I can devote my Sunday afternoon to watching, you know, something else I really, really want to watch around the league. And I love whether it's Denver or Foxborough or whatever, it's starting to get dark outside in the afternoon slot. And Jim Nance is there with obviously now Romo and Tracy Wolfson. And Jim Nance is, is a total conductor. Like he is so smooth. And I think, you know, the Romo stuff, whatever, Jim Nance is so humble that he has, I don't want to say allowed that because like Romo is obviously an announcer in and of his own stuff, but he has completely adjusted the way he calls football. I mean, and he, he is so seamless with how he navigates through golf, through football, through college basketball. I mean, and he is so, I love the tradition of things. I love, I mean, I, I love his, like, I'm going to give you my tie after the, the final four. I love that he has all the traditions he goes through at the masters. I love that he, ha- it's hello friends. And I love the story behind that. I mean, Everything about Jim Nance just is elegant to me. There, This is going to sound like a slight, and I don't mean it like that, but there is a skill to being so good that people don't notice you. And it's totally. like what you talked about. He had to adapt his style to work with Tony Romo. By doing that, that elevates Tony Romo. He's not fighting Romo trying to get in his play-by-play while Romo's you know, making some crazy noise or doing something. He steps back and lets Romo do his thing. I'm telling you, not a lot of people can do that. Pat Summerall did it perfectly with John Madden. John Madden was always talking. So Summerall, for a play-by-play guy, I think talked less than anybody. A, a legit call, a Pat Summerall call on a, on a play could be, and I'm going to do a terrible Pat Summerall. 
Aikman throws touchdown. That literally could be Pat Summerall's entire call. And then he shuts up for like a minute and a half because John Madden's going to start talking about football players making football plays and Aikman throwing a touchdown. And that's a touchdown pass when you need a touchdown pass. You need somebody to be able to adapt to who is working with. And Nance does that no matter what sport he's doing. Totally. And this, like, I don't have a favorite network. Obviously, I'm partial to Fox because a lot of Cowboys games are on there. But CBS is so traditional. Shout out, of course, to, to Pat Summerall and John Madden. Um, but I love how much Jim Nance loves CBS. You know what I mean? Like, I love how much he <laughs> loves his team. Um, and, like, I am a big golf guy. And for anyone who doesn't know this story, uh, Jim Nance was on the University of Houston golf team in college uh, with Fred Couples. They were teammates and they were roommates and when they were roommates together, Jim Nance's dream, he's, he's written about this in his book, and he talks about this all the time, was to be the man at CBS, was to ultimately like rise to the point of, of calling the Masters on CBS and because the Masters is always on CBS. And Fred Couples' dream was obviously to win the Masters. And I don't know if you know this stats. I don't know how many people know this, but they would literally, in college, in their dorm room, pretend like Fred Couples had won the Masters and Jim was interviewing him in Butler Cabin. And Fred Couples won the Masters in 1992, and Jim Nance got to interview him. Like, I love that. Like, I, I love how, how he has placed so many deep thoughts into what CBS is and what CBS means to his life and to sports and to fans. Because he seems as into it as an announcer as you are as a fan, right? That's totally. really what we want. That's why we like rivalry games between the two teams, because they seem as invested into it as we are. That's really what you want. And when you get that, it's a beautiful thing, and it does add to your enjoyment of whatever you're doing. Do you have any more announcers that you want to go to bat for, Stats? Because I have one thing we have to end on. Too quickly, because I feel like if you can teach me things, like I feel like I'm pretty heavy into sports more than the average person. So I Look feel like if you can... humble brag. If, if you if can you, find a way to teach my big brain, you have sorry, done something special. I've been in sports for 20 years. Like, sorry, yeah, that's been my job for 20 years. And the two guys that teach me things, uh, one is the current GM of the Raiders, and that's Mike Mayock. Nobody really liked Mayock when he was an analyst. I loved him. His call on the Beastquake run, I thought was fantastic. When he says... Get off me, Tracy Porter. I was cackling. And the other guy is Hubie Brown, who does NBA games. I love Hubie Brown. I did work with him at ESPN for a little while, so maybe I'm biased. But that guy is absolutely incredible. I would listen to him narrate me ordering a sandwich at a restaurant because I still feel like it'd be interesting. Those are my two guys. Well, you would order a really interesting sandwich. Uh, like, it'd be gross, but there would be a lot of things involved, you know, for yeah. people to be, you know, kind of orchestrating. Um, so to end where we kind of started, Stats, uh, Gary Myers uh, quote tweeted me uh, about your uh, carriage thing. And so we have kind of a end-all, be-all opinion, I suppose. Uh, you know, Speaking of humble brags, yes. Yeah. Well, so Gary Myers said, it's a shopping cart. Carriage is used and I being this is exactly what he said here. Carriage is used for babies. <laughs> Buggy is what you sit in behind a horse touring Central Park. Uh, <laughs> so um, he kind of smushed on both of us a little bit here, um, but it's okay. I mean, so oh, and I somebody just told me it's called a shopping trolley. That seems excessive. no. What the hell is that? A shopping trolley? It's not like a shower trolley where you're carrying in your shampoo and conditioner. No, it is what? a carriage. You call that a trolley? 
I don't really call that anything, but if I had to call it something, yeah, it would be a trolley. What do you call it? You're talking about it, the little like handle thing you put, you got your shampoo conditioner, maybe your loofah, yeah. whatever. Like you when you were in college and you went to the shared showers. Yeah, that was, that was well, a shower trolley. No, you know, humble brag. Our dorm room had a, a shower. We shared it with another oh. dorm, but you know, oh. uh, <laughs> so no, I don't call that a trolley. That's weird. What, what do you call it? Um, I don't really have a name for it, I guess. But uh-huh. I, would, I would call it a basket. Maybe that's my universal term for all these things. Yeah, apparently you just call anything a basket because reasons. Well, you're a basket. You're a basket listener. We love you. A basket full of fun. Uh, thanks for putting up with me in charge of the look ahead here today. I know it was just a delightful experience for Rob. Uh, really great stuff. Uh, the Monday Football Monday will be back on Monday, of course. Uh, so will the Daily. Again, I'll be pulling double duty then because I am the hardest working man around here. Uh, <laughs> that's just a flat out brag. Forget the humble um get get some rest rest up the vocal cords this saturday don't go to the zoo i really would advise against <laughs> that um everybody have a great weekend make sure to subscribe to the sb nation nfl show leave a rating write a review if you do stats will go to your home and hug you personally he promises that uh we love you all we'll see you on monday goodbye More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.